in Daniel chapter 9. This is Daniel's third vision. We think it's about 538 years B.C. Daniel has been in captivity for 69 years. If he was 10, uh, if he was 10, he's 79 years old. If he was 15, he's 84. He's an elder statesman for sure. Uh, I was watching Charles Stanley this morning do an excellent, excellent message while I was eating my Cheerios. And uh, he's 88 years old and still going strong. I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. So now we're in the first year of Darius, the son of Azarus, the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Actually, we understand he's a, a co-regent serving under Cyrus the Great. In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years, and that should really probably read scrolls because they didn't have books then. Do you know who invented books? Do you know? It was the Christians that first cut the scrolls up into pages and, and sewed them together because they got tired of trying to handle those long scrolls. You know, it was the Christians because they actually studied their Bibles. In the olden days, you just had scribes read to you. I understood by the, by the scroll the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Imagine now, the guy's what, 80? Let's say he's, he was 15 uh, when he was captured. Let's say he's 85 years old. He still starts his day reading the scriptures or ends his day reading the scriptures. And that's, that's encouraging to me. It really is. This is probably the passage he was reading in Jeremiah 25, 11. Don't turn there. And the whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. This is Jeremiah prophesying about the Babylonian captivity. And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, said the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans and will make it a perpetual desolation. I want you to notice something here. That is a bit of a rabbit hole, but we need it. We need this one. Okay, so you read this sentence again. I'm in Jeremiah uh, chapter 25 and verse 12. It shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation, said the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans. Now, the King James Version put a comma there. And then it says comma and will make it a perpetual desolation that hasn't happened yet that's actually a judgment in the book of the revelation so between uh, the land of the chaldeans pause the uh, king james translators put a comma there i don't think there are any commas in the hebrew text but there was a pause there and then i will make it a perpetual desolation there's at least 2500 years between those two events hasn't happened yet you see now notice something else here that's kind of unrelated to our prophecy but it's important to me and that is when someone in the old testament or the New Testament reads Bible prophecy, they always take it literally. Uh, Jeremiah said it would be uh, 70 years. Daniel said, oh, 70 years. He didn't try to make a metaphor out of that or a simile or try to make it mean something other than 70 years. You know, 70 years means 70 years. Now, I've read scholars and could not find them and did not want to take your time to, to enumerate it to you, but there are scholars that can show that from the first carrying away to the first return was 70 years to the day. And there are those that can prove that from the second destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon unto the rebuilding of the temple was 70 years to the day. And I only mention that because if you, if you Google that stuff and you're interested in it, God's precision in his scriptures is almost frightening, which is important for us in this particular prophecy. 
Verse 3, he said, I set my face to the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, wait a minute. There's a prophecy that the return is going to happen in 70 years. Why is he fasting and praying with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes? Why is he doing that? Even though it's prophesied, it seems appropriate that God's people pray for the event to happen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I don't know why that is. That's mainly because I really don't understand prayer and how it works. But the truth is, Daniel set himself to pray. And I prayed unto the Lord and made my confession. And so to the Lord, great and dreadful God, keep the, that keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Look at verse five. We have sinned. Wait a minute. Daniel was 15 years old. He was in his, uh, he was just a kid. How could he say we have sinned? And what you see here in the next few verses, the next five or six verses, is, is the true character of intercession where he took on their rebellion upon himself and prayed as if he was one of them because he is one of them. They were his people. We have sinned and committed iniquity and done wickedly. We have rebelled even by departing from the precepts from thy judgments. In Daniel's prayer, it's not they and us, it's we. Uh, Ron Clark was always big on pointing that out. It's not they and us, it's we. It's important that we understand that when we go to the Lord in prayer. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land, O Lord. Righteousness belongs unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day to, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Now that, my friend, is a good verse for your refrigerator. You know, O oh Lord, to us belongs confusion of face. That describes the United States of America right now. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongs mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Well, actually, there's very few people alive at the time of this prayer that actually committed those sins, other than the fact that he takes on the sins of his people. Verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. And this is the condemnation. You know, we can say, well, those daggone teenagers back in the 60s, they started the sexual revolution. And my parents, they are the ones that told me I could choose whatever church I wanted to go. And the generation before me and the generation after me, they're all a bunch of losers, you know. All this is written in the law of Moses. And he says, yet we made not our prayer before the Lord our God. We saw this happening and we didn't make it an issue of prayer that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. Skip to verse 17. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate, for your own sake, for the Lord's sake. 
Oh my God. Now you notice he's getting more and more intense as he goes along here in his prayer. He's, he's, he's really getting into it, as we would say nowadays. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open your eyes and behold our desolations. Look at us. And the city which is called by thy name, sitting down there in Jerusalem in ruins. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. See, he's appealing to grace, not not God's righteousness. He's not saying we deserve this. We don't deserve this. We're, we're praying you do this because you show mercy on us. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and for thy people that are called by thy name. It's a powerful prayer. We don't know where he's going to go from here because he gets interrupted. About the time he's really getting worked up in prayer, and I guess I've never been that worked up in prayer, but if I was really worked up in prayer and an angel popped into my room, I think I'd have some problems, you know, really. Uh, verse 20 says, And while I was speaking, while I was in the middle of this prayer, and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and, pre and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, he wants us to know that he was right in the middle of this prayer, the man, and that word means man, but it could mean being, it could mean a strong one, it could be a conqueror. So it, it, you really don't know why he picked that particular word, but the man Gabriel, he's met him before, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show you, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider this vision. So now what, what Gabriel is going to do is he's going to show, I hope I'm saying this right, what Gabriel is going to do, he's going to show Daniel God's answer, God's answer to Daniel's prayer, but also God's plan for the entire future of his people, Israel. All right. Now, again, there's going to be a print, there's going to be a comma and there's going to be a gap and we're in the gap. All right. But from the beginning, from the time of Daniel all the way up until the very end times, this prophecy is going to cover that period of time. So here's Daniel praying for forgiveness and, a, and another chance for Israel, right? And Gabriel says, God is granting you 70 times 7, 490 years. Now, the reason the seven's there is because it's a week of years. So 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring into everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, we don't know what all those words mean. But the word that he used, the Hebrew word, is Shabim Shabua, which I know you don't understand it, but literally it's 70 septuple, sep, septuple. I don't know if I'm saying that word. You know, we talk about double and triple and quadruple, and what's five, and what's six, and seven is septuple. It means multiplied by seven. All right, double, triple, quadruple, septuple. So it's 70 septuple, or 70 times 70, or 490. A total 
Now this is weeks, that's the seven, 490 years. Now this is what's going to happen in that 490 years. That's all Israel has left, 490 years. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Well, I guess finish the transgression may apply to Israel to finish their foolishness of rebelling against God, but it may mean finish all transgressions. Now, if it means finish Israel's transgression, they have 483 years. If it means finish all transgressions, that hasn't happened yet, right? To make an end of sin, well, we can't say that's happened yet, can we? To make reconciliation for iniquity, well, that has happened. Jesus came and reconciled the world unto himself on the cross. He died for our sins, so our sins have been reconciled. To bring in everlasting righteousness hasn't happened yet. To seal up the vision and the prophecy, that means all prophecies in the Bible will be fulfilled. That hasn't happened yet. And finally, to anoint the most holy, and I have to assume, and it's just an assumption, that that means to crown Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. And I think many of these things are going to happen after the tribulation and at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And I have to imagine there'll be some type of a swearing in or an anointing service where Jesus himself will be crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. Clearly, this prophecy is not fulfilled, although it's underway. It's not fulfilled. The promise here is you have 70 weeks, 77s, 77 week periods, all right, 77 periods, 490 years. Remember, Peter asked Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother? And Peter said, seven times. And Jesus said, I say not unto you seven times, but 70 times seven. And, and I, I submit to you that there may be a rule in heaven that God will forgive 490 times and then he's done All right. there is a guy uh, and I, again I didn't look him up but he, he has managed to put the history of Israel in 490 year clips uh, so each phase of Israel's history at 490 years and if you're interested in that kind of thing it's certainly worth looking into I don't think we should keep trout, though. Okay, I've forgiven you 85 times now. I've got so many more to go. Um, verse 25. Know therefore and understand. This is Gabriel to Daniel. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. By the way, that word prince can be translated king. Chuck Miser really preferred it to be translated king. But it's the same word as prince that's going to show up later, so I'm sticking with the word prince. To build Jerusalem and to the Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. Now, you have to understand here, Gabriel is giving Daniel a mathematical formula to tell you exactly when Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come to Israel. This, this is probably the only place in the entire Bible where we're given a timeline where you can actually figure the exact date that he's going to appear. Uh, but you have to work at it a bit, uh, and, and we're not. Starting with the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince. From this commandment to the real build the Messiah is seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. So you take seven, three score is, a uh, score is 20, so three score is 60. So now you've got 67 plus two, that's 69 weeks of years. 
That's 483 years, and we're missing a year. All right. The last time it was 490. Right. That missing week is what we call uh, glibly in the church the tribulation period. All right. It's also called in the Old Testament the period of Jacob's trouble. So when Jesus is I shouldn't say crucified because I think this ends before that. I think this ends on a hill outside of Jerusalem. But when Jesus declared, at least at that point where he said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, at whatever point that stopped, there was still one year left promised for Israel. That's the important thing. One year is missing. It also has the phrase there, which seems irrelevant now, but it will show up later. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And I'll say it now so that when I repeat it, maybe it'll make sense. I think that's the first seven. All right, seven plus three score plus two. I think the first seven weeks, the first 49 years, is the rebuilding of the wall and the repair of the streets. Uh, now, there are four commandments that could apply to this, uh, all in the Bible. One is in Ezra chapter one, a commandment by King Cyrus to rebuild the temple. That was the earliest one. There's one in Ezra chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, which was in 518 B.C., this time by Darius, and it's a renewal of King Cyrus's command to rebuild the temple. He also provided some military assistance and some financial aid. There's a third one in Ezra chapter 7, uh, verses 11 through 28, and this is from the seventh year of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes, long jamondas. Long jamondas means long fingers. A lot of those guys were named Artaxerxes, so you had to differentiate him, and this particular Artaxerxes was along with the long fingers. All right, Artaxerxes, long Germanus. Uh, that was actually a commandment to rebuild the city, and that's dated. We have transcripts of that extra-biblical of 458 B.C. This decree actually resulted in Nehemiah returning, although Nehemiah goes back a second time and he gets another decree. So there's two decrees by Artaxerxes, all right? This one was the first, uh, 458. Now, if you just took the 458 BC and you subtracted the 483 prophesied years minus the seven at the end, you end up at 25 AD. While the timing isn't perfect, you're still working with an imperfect calendar because you've got leap years and, and you've got different calendar issues that could be involved. But anyway, even if you just, even if the Jews just did that, all right, by 25 AD, Jesus was walking around. In Jerusalem, they could actually see the guy and meet him. That's pretty. That's pretty exciting stuff. All right. Uh, Chuck Missler likes the second, the one that you find in Nehemiah chapter one. All right. Nehemiah chapter one is a fourth mention. It mentions a decree, but it doesn't say what it's about. It doesn't say what it's about. That was in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes' reign and puts it at about 445 B.C. So if you take 445 B.C. and subtract the 483 years, that brings us to 38 A.D., and that's, you know, uh, six years after Jesus was crucified, but you're still not adjusting for uh, leap years, uh, leap days, and uh, other issues of calendars. And, and believe me, not everyone agrees with this. I was surprised one time I was driving down the road, and Dr. Jeremiah was on the radio, and he was talking about this, and I thought, well, this is pretty controversial for a guy of his stature to take on. Uh, but he believes this as well. So we got Dr. Jeremiah and Chuck Missler in this. <laughs> Chuck Missler says there are extra biblical documents, and I have not looked them up, that indicate that the fourth command was on a specific day. He said we have proof. We have written extra biblical proof of when uh, Artaxerxes made the second commandment 
to Nehemiah, and that was on March 14th, 445 B.C. He's very sure of it. Now, if that's true, it was March 14th of 445 B.C. that God started the stopwatch and started timing from then till the day that Jesus would appear because I believe God is of extreme precision, you know. Now, if instead of taking a 365-day year, which is normal for us, you need to go back to the Old Testament when they had 360-day years, and the prophets all used 360-day years. The Babylonians used 360-day years. You know how we know that? Because there's 360 degrees in our circle. We got that from the Babylonians. That's where our compass came from, see, 360 in a full circle. Uh, there's a whole issue about why it went from 360 to 365. Some the Jews would add a year every now and then. The, the, the pagans would add a few days each year. Uh, they had leap weeks. They had leap years. It was just, it was very confusing to work it out. But it goes, we're not going to talk about what it goes back to because it sounds crazy. Uh, so we have this prophetic use of 360 days. So now you have 483 years times 360 instead of 365, you have 173,880 days from March 14th, 445 BC until you get to April the 6th, 32 AD. That's the day as near as they can reckon that Jesus called for the disciples to go get a donkey and present himself for the one and only time of the Messiah of Israel. And as he did that, and he got on this unbroken little donkey and he rode it into town, he got on the hill overlooking Jerusalem and he began to weep because I believe in his mind he could see everything that was coming because of their rejection. And he knew that when he sat down on that bank and started to cry, he could see the Roman armies gathered around and the 1.6 million people that are going to be slaughtered. And he could see 2,000 years of brutal Jewish history ahead only because they didn't pay attention to prophecy. Simple as that. They should have known this day. This should have been marked on a Jewish calendar. In fact, it was. Some Jews actually did know that this was happening. The very day that Luke said Jesus presented himself as the king of Israel. Forty-nine years have been used up. Well, picking the prophecy back up in Daniel verse 26, it gets a little more complicated. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people, the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And into the end of the war, desolations are determined. What is that? It says right here that the Messiah is going to be killed. At years or week 69. I guess that's year 483. Now, there's an odd split in these numbers here because the first seven weeks are not mentioned. And that, remember, I said was that time when they were rebuilding the streets. So we have to assume that that seven years is there. And then there's the three times the 20, the three score and two, a total of 62 weeks. So it has to include the first seven weeks. There's no biblical explanation to why this change in structure by Gabriel other than to throw people off track and they can say, well, see, it's not consistent. I think God puts trips in there for people who want to criticize his word. Uh, so we have to assume that the first seven weeks is in there. 
And then you go from there, you get uh, 49 years spent clearing the streets, and the three score and two weeks comes after these 49. Still, we have seven weeks. Uh, 60 plus two. And you notice this, as I pointed out, that after these 69 weeks, Messiah will be killed. You know, the Jews expected Jesus to come riding in on a white horse, and it's obvious they never read the prophecies. They expected him to come in and conquer Rome and take over the world, which he probably would have done if they would have accepted him, but they didn't recognize him. And because of that, they killed their own Messiah. It says here the Messiah will be cut off, karat in the Hebrew, which means executed for a capital crime. It doesn't mean he was accidentally killed or he fell off the donkey and broke his neck. It means he was executed by the state for a criminal offense. His criminal offense was he said he was the son of God. Right? That's what they killed him for. And then it says right after that, but not for himself. He didn't die because he did anything wrong. He died because we did things wrong. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. That's what Isaiah said, but the Jews somehow would read that and they still had a Jesus coming in on a white horse. They didn't see the fact that they would reject him. It was clearly prophesied in Scripture that he would be rejected and killed by his own people. And then pay attention to this, okay? It says, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come. We had a prince, all right? Messiah the prince in the beginning. Now we have another prince. Same word. People of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. Well, that's not Jesus and the sanctuary. Who is that? That's Titus Vespucian, the, the, the general who came in of the Roman uh, 10th Legion and destroyed Israel. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and in the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, I don't know what it means with a flood, but I think it means with a flood of rejection or a flood of judgment, because all of Israel's history, from the time of her rejection of the Messiah until the second coming of Christ, is going to be rejection wars, difficulties, desolations are determined. Man, you talk about the history of Israel, that describes it. A flood of desolations being determined by God. Well, if you go from the phrase in verse 26, Messiah shall be cut off, comma, King James Version anyway, but not for himself, and then the people of the prince that shall come, you go from A.D. 32 to A.D. 70, you go 37 years in that gap. That comma represents a gap of 37 years. But that prince that shall come will also refer to another prince in the next verse that we'll get to next week. All right. The people of the prince that shall come, Titus Vespasian in the Roman regions. Now, one of the things about this that I just learned is that Titus Vespasian was the kid working under Vespasian, the head general. Vespasian, the head general, finds out three days before conquering Jerusalem that the Caesar before him has just killed himself. And he is now Caesar. That makes him the king, and that makes his son a prince. The prince that shall come. It's pretty interesting that God would be that precise about it. Three days before the fall of Jerusalem, Titus Vespasian became a prince. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we're now at 70 AD. Uh, when they breached the city walls and poured in Jerusalem, the history has it that they killed one 
1,600,000 people in the streets. The cities, they said, smelled so badly, they had to evacuate it for a full year to five years. They could, it was uninhabitable. The temple was meant to be saved. The general of the Roman army, Titus, wanted to save it as a trophy for his great victory. It was a three-year siege that it took to get in there. And he didn't want the temple destroyed. He actually wanted to keep it. But some inadvertent person, we assume a Roman soldier, tossed a uh, flare into it, a uh, burning, what do they call it, a, a torch, tossed a torch in there. I couldn't remember what they called it back in those days. Tossed a torch in there and set it afire. And all the gold on the, on the roof melted down into the cracks of the rocks and destroyed the temple. But more importantly, they couldn't get at the gold. So consequently, uh, the, the Roman soldiers, at the direction of their governor, set out to tear every rock of the Jewish temple down so they could get to the, the hundreds and hundreds of pounds of gold that was there. And there again, you have that prophecy of Jesus where he said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 2, see, see ye not all these things? Talking about the temple, you know, he walked out and, and 20, chapter 23, he walked out and he said, behold, your house was left unto you desolate. And he walked out and some of the boys came to him and they said, Lord, Lord, look at these rocks of this beautiful temple. We, we, you know, you're really not just going to walk out. I mean, you're not going to just abandon this temple. And that's where Jesus said to them, boys, you see all these things? I say unto you that not one rock will be left upon another. And by A.D. 70, every rock was pulled down by hand to get at the gold. Once again, you have the literal fulfillment of a prophecy that doesn't seem possible to have been literal, but it was. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. God's judgment on the people of Israel, the whole world turning against Israel, the whole world hating Israel, and to the end of the war, desolations are determined. Why is that? Why is that? Because they did not recognize the day that Jesus would come. I don't think I have it here. Let's see if I do have it. I don't know if I wrote this down or not. I have it on my PowerPoint. I was going to read you that verse at the end. Yeah, I have it here. Good. Okay. So this is on uh, the day that Jesus presented himself, 32 AD. And when he was come near to the city... He beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, if, if thou had known, he's talking to the city of Jerusalem and he's weeping. And he said, if you'd had known, even now, at least in this thy day, the things which belongeth unto thy peace. I'm in Luke chapter 19 and verse 42, if you want to find it. Luke 19, 42. But now they are hidden from your eyes and they're going to remain hidden until the end. It's been 2,000 years. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, that's 37 years from now, and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. And they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave thee in one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Does prophecy matter? Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He's feeling the pain of a thousand generations in front of him. He sees the Holocaust. He sees the Inquisition. He sees the abuses that the Jews suffered under Russia. All those things that drove them back into the Holy Lands now. Father, we do pray for your people, Israel. 
We pray that you would lift the veil that they might see Christ. We pray for our country as Daniel prayed for his, because, Father, we too have sinned and offended you greatly. Father, I remember Billy Graham saying that uh, you would have to apologize in so to Sodom and Gomorrah if you don't judge the United States of America. And I believe even while he was declaring those words, your judgment began to fall on this country. Father, I believe you were instrumental in the start of this country. I believe you were instrumental in the rise and the success of the United States of America. While all Americans aren't good, I believe there was you behind the church working through your people. And yet, Father, I do believe you've begun to turn your back on this country. And I pray you would shine your face upon us once more. Although we deserve your just punishment, we who condemn Hitler for killing, we say six million Jews, but it was more like 15 million people in the chambers. We who have killed 62 million unborn to date and still killing them are now exporting our slaughter worldwide. And we know, Father, you're set to stop us. Please forgive us. Wake us up. Cause us, Father, to turn to you in prayer and repentance and help us, Father, to get past the evil that has consumed us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.